What's up, what's up, guys? It's been about three months since I've last done this. The last two interviews I actually recorded, I did in December, and it's just taken me a little while to get those out because I've been super busy and life stuff has been going on. So it's been like a few months since I've actually sat down and recorded stuff, so it sounds a bit weird, so bear with me. So a few changes that I wanted to sort of make you aware of, I guess, a few updates. The first update being that I have upgraded my equipment, so I have much better headphones and I can literally hear absolutely everything. So if you also have really good headphones, I'm hoping that I can make the listening experience a bit better for you. For those with like Apple headphones and stuff, you probably won't notice too much of a difference, but just the little, um, you know, mic sounds and sounds in the background and stuff, I'm going to try and improve because I can actually hear them now. So I'm trying to also upgrade where I record. It's a very echoey room that I'm in right now, but this is the only space that I've got. Um, but I am going to try and make it like, I don't know, make the, what's the word? Acoustics, that's the word. I'm going to make the acoustics better in this space. So yeah, bear with me on that. Uh, the second thing is I'm not on social media anymore. I mean, this came up in the last episode, the chat with Alex. I am on LinkedIn. I barely use it. I literally just use it to post my blog, but I'm not on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, it wasn't on there anyway, but yeah, just don't contact me on Instagram because I won't see it. I don't have it anymore. So my profile's still up, but I just have deleted the app completely and I'm not planning on going back on it at all. The third thing is I currently have a bit of a cold, so I probably sound a bit weird. The fourth thing is I'm going to try and make these episodes a bit more like off the cuff, a little bit less scripted, like the solo episodes. The reason I do more of scripted and just kind of read from my blog is because I have a kid. I have extremely limited time right now and it's just the easiest way. I like writing my thoughts out and sort of sharing it that way. But I thought, I mean, you might've noticed I don't have an intro anymore. I don't know if I'm going to change it. I don't know. I just want to get straight into the chats. Yeah. So I'm going to try and make it kind of a blend of scripted. So I'm going to have my notes in front of me, but also I want to kind of chat more off the cuff if things come up. So let's get into today's episode, all about soft selling. This, I actually got this idea from my chat with Alex. I highly recommend listening to his interview. He kind of just briefly mentioned about soft selling and how art is more of a soft sell rather than hard sell. And, you know, just this idea that business is actually a, a bit slower than on social media and stuff like that. And it's really highlighted, I think, for both of us that you can really do business a different way. There, there, you know, you can take a slower, gentler, softer approach and actually it might work best for both you and your business. So let's get into this. I'm really excited about it. So I've been watching, watching a lot of Shark Tank recently. <laughs> Love Shark Tank. I have, to, I have to say I prefer Dragon's Den because I feel like they're a bit more, I don't know, more my vibe, but Shark Tank is fun also. There's a lot of people in there who like really push the hard sell. You know, you've got droves of highly enthusiastic entrepreneurs giving these, you know, theatrical performances and really, really pushing the hard sell. And they are celebrated for it. A lot of the sharks really love that. They they love people that can sell hard and don't take no for an answer. And I've observed a lot over the years about, you know, so much advice praising the hard sell and saying that, you know, it's this idea that if you have a business, you need to get super comfortable with sh with selling and shove your products and offerings in people's faces all the time, blah, blah, blah. Now, the hard sell has its place, I think, in certain situations and with certain products. And I'm going to kind of briefly explore this a bit later. I really want to dive deep into the underrated soft sell because I feel like it's really underrated. And I feel like a lot of people and a lot of businesses as well just suit this approach 
And, you know, it might actually be a way more effective and joyful approach that works works best for you and your business. So if like me, the idea of hard selling has just never felt aligned with you or your business and just never felt good, this one might be for you. The first differentiation, I can't say words at the moment, Um, the first difference between the soft sell and the hard sell is it's more about relationship building over the quick sale or getting a quick buck. So it's really all about building, you know, more long-term relationships and showing that you care more about them than just their wallet. It's about asking questions then actively listening to what they have to say, bringing them value and really ensuring that they feel relaxed and in control. It's about caring, you know, about actually solving their problems, not just shoving things in their face saying, you need to buy this, this is perfect for you. But actually, you know, considering is this actually right for this person? Am I actually solving their problem? I love this approach because it is such a chill, relaxed and pressure free environment. And this kind of environment with a focus of building long term relationships can actually lead to a higher, you know, ROI return on your investment over time. It can also mean more referrals and positive reviews. So if you think about it, we're literally sold to all of the time. Anytime we open our phones, you know, if you're on social media all the time, you go out, you go out for a drive, you see adverts, whatever, you know, we're all being sold to all of the time. But there is something in ensuring that your customer or your client feels empowered to make decisions for themselves and feel really chill and positive about the purchasing experience. It really helps you to build that base of loyal fans. So if you've heard of that idea, you know, you only need a hundred true fans. I think that really is the case. So when you take the pressure away, people will do what they want to do. So pressure can often create this resentment and an uncomfortable customer is really unlikely to return and refer your business. I mean, I'm sure we have loads of examples. <laughs> I'm sure you have loads of examples in your life when you felt really uncomfortable about buying something and someone's in your face and like, oh, I think this is really good for you. Or, I think you should buy this, blah, blah. You know, we've all had those situations and it just makes you really uncomfortable. And there's lots of shops where you know, you go in and maybe it's quiet and they don't kind of just let you shop, you know, they're in your face and it's just really uncomfortable and it makes you just not want to, not want to go back. So I feel like creative businesses can benefit hugely from the soft selling approach. When emotion is so closely tied to purchases in this field, it can be really counterintuitive to try and force this connection. So it's what Alex was talking about. He was saying, when you're selling a a painting that's a couple of grand <laughs> you can't it's not, you can't really do the hard sell with that it's not something that is going to happen quickly you can't force someone to do that it's it's really counterintuitive someone has to actually fall in love with that so if you think about high-end galleries and luxury jewelry stores and michelin star restaurants if you've been lucky enough to ever go in one you know think about the salespeople and the waiters and waitresses Are they in your face pressuring you to buy, saying, oh, you need to choose this option, you need to do this, or do they stand back and let you relax whilst being attentive and present, you know, if you have a question? They understand their brand position as well as the importance of building a really good reputation and relationship with their patrons. So what I would recommend in this situation is offer your potential clients, sorry, I did burp then, (laughs) um, your potential clients' assistance and keep the lines of communication open. So you could maybe do things like gently persuading them onto your email list with like a valuable targeted freebie or something, or, you know, even sending them a Christmas card if you do have their address and it's appropriate. The important thing to note here is is they should always feel like the ball is in their 
court. So they never feel forced to do anything. It's so chill and relaxed. So you're kind of gently persuading them without actually ever forcing them to do anything. So the lines of communication are open and they can come to you if they want to know more, purchase from you. The next one is to show up. So soft selling really doesn't mean hiding away or just waiting for your ideal clients to show up. Show up with awesome branding, confidence, and deep knowledge about your business and your offerings. Wherever you show up, whether that's online with like a website, a blog, if you have social media, podcast, you know, or in person at markets, events, whatever, show up and share what you offer. So really share why it's unique, its benefits, who it's ideal for, and keep doing your own thing with confidence know that the sales will come. So especially when you start a business or maybe you're offering a new product or something like that, you don't want to ever be desperate because people can sense that desperation and it really just puts them off. So you want to be like chill and confident about your products. You want to be like, yeah, you know, for example, if you do paintings, original paintings, just think this painting is right for someone. So there's been plenty of examples in my life, um, plenty, I mean, a few examples (laughs) where like a couple of my paintings have sat for maybe a year or two and I've thought oh maybe it's just never going to sell but it was just waiting for the right person and I've had a couple of people come to me after a couple of years and go I fell in love with that two years ago and I've now bought a house so I'm looking to redecorate I need it (laughs) and they've fallen in love with the painting and it's yeah so you want to really kind of harness that confidence and calmness and that will reflect down and yes all just keeping them in control but also you know you want to show up um consistently and sort of be there in the background so having this extensive knowledge about your business and your offerings kind of you know lets everyone know that you actually know what you're doing and this confidence in your knowledge helps to build that all-important trust you know talking about that relationship building and this relaxed yet you know, slightly persuasive approach can encourage people to invest more in you. So think about bringing value to others and they're just more likely to hang around and support your business. So the third point I want to make is read the room. So this one's pretty obvious. It's just about knowing your clients, knowing your customers. So as a young teenager, I used to sell uh, goose eggs with my friend whose aunt had a farm. It was so much fun. We would sell the fuck out of these eggs and we frequently sold out like every weekend when we were doing it in the summer. Something about the market atmosphere and the people there encouraged me to just start chatting with strangers, being a bit like cheeky and really pushing the hard sell. You know, I'd convert passersby by showing off like how big the goose eggs were, like going, oh, look at this egg. And they'd do like, whoa, that's a, what's that? <laughs> you know, um, you know, I'd share how to cook them and why they were so much tastier and better than hen eggs. So at that point, I hadn't actually tried a goose egg for myself, but the information that I knew about them, I knew they were a lot like richer and fattier and yeah, so I could kind of, well, BS my way for it, but never had any complaints and had lots of people come back. So, um, you know, and a creative example was, you know, when I was doing art markets for my greetings cards, I was pretty confident about selling them. And whenever someone stopped and smiled at my sassy designs, a cheeky little hard sell felt really natural and I'd often just get the response, why not? The harder sell kind of suits some environments and clients, like anything under £10 can be a feel-good impulse purchase and hard selling can work well with many products. Knowing your customer can really help you determine which approach might be the most successful. Like Alex said in the episode, you know, it's very difficult to do the hard sell with 
you know, a 5k painting or something. A painting is something usually very personal that someone has to live with in their home. Similarly, services such as like coaching, personal training, maybe wedding planning, if you actually want referrals and to build good relationships, just can't be forced onto someone. And feeling forced into paying for such services when it doesn't feel inherently good to do so, if you feel pressured and you're like, this isn't right, but I, you know, they're telling me I need to buy it. um, That can just, you know, a lot of the time lead to disappointment and resentment. So I offer uh, discovery calls for my coaching. I never do the hard sell. I don't see the point. I never want anyone to feel pressured to work with me. I want them to be like excited and feel like really good and feel like it's a good fit. In these brief discovery calls, I only ever listen. I answer any questions I have and I provide as much value as I possibly can. Like no BS, no fluff, no selling, just showing who I am and what I do so they know what to expect. So thinking about questions like, What environments encourage your ideal clients to feel relaxed, trustful, and purchase more? Thinking about those high-end restaurants. What is their buying behavior? How do they actually feel in high-pressure situations? Do they thrive or want to run away? Do they take their time to research and consider before making a purchase? Also, what ways of selling have worked really well for you in the past? And what keeps customers coming back? And on the flip side, what puts them off? My next point is know your product. So like I said, I was selling goose eggs for a pound. I was selling cheap cards, you know, things like four pound lattes, you know, oh, do you want to upgrade to a fancier, smoother blend or something like that? That's what they usually say. You know, people are more comfortable with the harder sell at this price point and they can become those why not purchases. Whereas something like, like the 5k painting or a 2000 pound coaching package, I would argue suits a softer sell. So like I said, I love, I, I love relaxed selling. It's my favorite way to sell. It's always worked for me. You know, when I first started my pet portraits business, I literally had a website. I didn't use, I didn't utilize social media at all. I put myself out there. I showed up, but it was such a gentle, soft way of selling. And I would just get emails all the time. I didn't tend to do like follow up emails. <laughs> um, like I, I only really wanted to work with people who actually wanted to work with me. I didn't really do many follows up or like chasing. I, it was like, if you want to work with me or work with me, if you're hesitant or you don't want to, that's totally fine. Um, I'm not going to chase you up. That's fine. Like I said, often products with a higher price, price point can benefit from this softer selling approach as it just needs more consideration. You know, this is just um, human nature. You're not going to go out and buy like a 50 grand car without some consideration, you know, unless you've just won the lottery and you're going to be crazy. (laughs) It's going to need more consideration. I really like the method of building around the offering and then having people ask for it. So like I said, this is kind of what I've always done. It's always worked for me. It's about building a brand, creating content around your offering, sharing value, showing your expertise on your offerings, connecting with others, you know, doing things like guest podcasts or going to networking events. I hate that term, networking events, (laughs) but you know, people where you can meet people and just have a conversation and find out about each other. And then offering like a really soft, gentle way that people can connect or stay in touch with you, you know, having a pop-up on your website saying, you know, here's a freebie, do you want to join my email list or, you know, things like that. I feel like people will start paying attention and then become intrigued with what you offer. I've seen lots of examples where, for example, people are selling lots of prints and it actually drives up the demand for the original paintings, even though these people might not actually actively advertise their original paintings or things like coaching. I know a lot of people who don't actually specifically 
say that they do coaching or maybe they do you know they offer like digital products and then just because of the content that they're putting out there people really love it they inquire about one-to-one coaching whereas these people don't actually actively advertise it so it can be a really really cool way of marketing so your actual product can be the determining factor sometimes in deciding how to approach your marketing and selling so in this case it's about asking questions like who is your product for where are you actually selling your offering It's about observing how similar products sell successfully, like how are they approaching their marketing and who are their customers? Is there a lengthy consideration period before purchasing or is it more of an impulse purchase? And how much trust is required before someone feels comfortable and excited to make a purchase? I'd really love to hear your thoughts on soft selling. This was a ended up being a longer episode than I was planning to make. But yeah, this is what happens when you let yourself waffle for a little bit. Since coming off social media, to be honest, it's really changed my perspective and outlook on everything because I do realize that actual business in real life is a lot slower and just goes at a different pace. You know, especially when you're selling more higher ticket stuff or, you know, depending on the kind of services and products that you're actually offering, it just doesn't suit a hard sell. I just, yeah, it doesn't translate like that. And when you're on social media and things are being, you know, you're expected to show up every day. Here's my product, shoving your product and things in people's faces all the time, making them aware of everything, selling to them all the time. I just feel like there's a softer way of doing it that it can actually be more successful. So there's nothing wrong with showing up on social media every day. But maybe if you're doing that and you're thinking, I really want to, you know, take more of a softer selling approach, you could just do, th- you know, build around your offerings, create more posts um, that aren't just like sell, sell, sell. Here's my product. This is how much it is. You need to buy it <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Let me know what you think about this. It's definitely something that I've implemented in my business before and it's been really successful and I kind of forgot about this approach. So thank you so much, Alex, for briefly mentioning it in our chat. And yeah, let me know. Thanks so much, guys. And I will be back I'm not going to tell you when I'll be back because I'm not quite sure. I'll try and record another episode soon and get some more guests on. Cool. Thanks, guys. Bye.